I wonder if, uh, Nick, can you do me a favour? Can you get me one of the, the high stools that are around one of the tables and just bring it up on the stage for me? Round of applause for Nick. We love Nick. Look at Nick, look. Everyone loves a bit of the chisnel. One of the things that uh, I look for, I, I get to guest preach quite a lot. And uh, do you know what? It doesn't matter if I go to a church of 10 people, 100 people, or 1,000 people. The numbers are relevant. What matters is the presence of God here. What matters is the faith in the room. And there's faith in the room this morning, isn't there? We're going to have a great time, not because there's lots of us or few of us, but because there's faith in the room. And on top of that, I've got this really cool eagle, which, which I'm going to show you later and tell you about. Very cool. Okay, let's pray this one in. Come on, church. Father, I want to thank you for every amazing person you've gathered this morning. I want to thank you for the differences between us. But I want to thank you for the unity that, exi that exists here. So, Lord, we give you free reign. Move amongst us. Lord, use someone like me to bless people like this. Let us leave this place different from the way we came in. Challenge us. Let us take a step closer to being more like you, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. If you're into titles, I quite like a title. But my title for today's message is, When God Shows Up. When God shows up. Uh, who knows that when God shows up, amazing things happen. You know, who knows when God shows up, minds are blown. You know, that whole idea of that had to be him, that doesn't just happen, that had to be God. Give me a wave if you've experienced a moment like that in your life. You're lots and lots of people. Laughter erupts. Because it's good. It's like, wow, brilliant. Woo. It had to be him. I just want to share a couple of moments from, from my life. And um, when I was 15 years old, so about three years ago, um, <laughs> when I was 15 years old, I went to a, a conference um, with the church and my family. And we stayed in tents and I had an amazing time. And the, the preacher then, there was a guy called Derek Prince. Anyone familiar with Derek Prince? Yeah, yeah. He's a father of the faith in so many ways. And he talked about healing. And, uh, you know, even as a young man, you know, a boy, um, I was impacted and stirred by that. And on our little section of the camp, there was about 3,000 people there, and they broke you up into groups of about 100 or so. And in our little section, there was this lad from Peterborough, and uh, he was blind in one eye. Uh, he wasn't born blind in one eye. He was messing about with his brother when he was about seven years old in the kitchen, and they were throwing stuff at each other. His brother threw a fork went straight in his eye. And he was blinded in one eye, so he, sight in one, blind in the other. And here we are, as boys, in this atmosphere where God keeps showing up. And the preacher is speaking faith and speaking, Jesus can do today what we read he did in the Bible. Yeah. Let me wave if you can believe that. Uh, and he's like, whoa, so this lad who's the same age as me said, Barry, would you pray? And you know, I didn't know how to pray. 15 years old, I was finding my feet in my faith. But you know what? I believed. And so I just prayed the most simple prayer. I put my hand on his head because I'd seen everyone do that. So you do what you see everyone else do, don't you? Put my hand on his head because that felt holy. And, uh, and God isn't moved whether you put your hand on their head or you don't put your hand on your head. God isn't moved if you stand 10 feet away because you've got smelly breath. God's not moved by that. God's moved by faith. And I prayed a prayer that I believed in my heart was possible. And that's faith. And I said, in Jesus' name, I open. And I tell you the truth, his eye opened there and then. 15 years old. That's my story. It's not disputable. It's not, oh, that happened in my life. I think we should get a bit more excited about these things, you know. And I'll never forget that. 
God showed up. So often God shows up through people. For that man, that lad, God showed up through someone like me. I'm not God, but I'm a man who believes in God. I'm a man who believes God can use me. And so I just reached my hand out and prayed a simple prayer of faith. And God did something. And I'll never forget it. Here's where I'm living. I want to see more of it. Do you understand what the word testimony even means? The word testimony means do it again. So the whole point of sharing your testimony is so that someone else goes, wow, I want that to happen for me. Do it again. Yeah. So let's not give up giving our testimony because you don't know who needs to hear it. Over here on the left-hand side of me there, you'll see some blue slips. And they are people who have said, God has moved and answered my prayer through this fast. They are testimonies. If you've got a testimony, go write it down because we're not going to read them all out. But it's a visual to say God is doing stuff in our church. I don't know how many there is. There looks about 10 odd testimonies. Come on, I know there's more testimonies in the house than that. And it means do it again. So turn to three people and say, God's going to do it again. We had an amazing situation. This is probably two years ago, and Sarah and I were wrestling through our financial situation. And we had a, a month in particular where what came in wasn't meeting what was going out. And it wasn't this time, at least, because Sarah bought a handbag. <laughs> it, it was because you know, the bills had gone up, and we'd had a situation, and, and the rest of it, we were like, oh, you know, we're pastors of a church. And we were like, God, come on. You know, you say you'll supply all of our needs. Not necessarily all of our wants, although sometimes he does, but all of our... We had a need. And so we just got on our knees and said, Father, would you supply? And went off to bed. I tell you the truth, the next day we're having dinner and we heard our letterbox click, click. Oh, who's that? Who's that? You know, and so uh, we went out and there's an envelope on the floor and all it said on it is God told me to do this. And we opened up the envelope and there was a thousand pound in cash in it. And do you know what? God showed up. Do you know what I mean? And he showed up through someone. I still to this day don't know who it is. So if you're in this room and you possibly are, thank you. Because God showed up in our life because of you. You didn't know what we were going through probably. You didn't hear the prayer we prayed. But God did and God moved you. He showed up through people. That stirs my faith. So if you're someone in financial need right now, hear my testimony. Because my testimony says God can do it again. If he did it for me, he can do it for you. Come on, is there some faith stirring in the room? <laughs> I love it when God shows up because it's a proper buzz, isn't it? You know, it brings hope to your life. You know, we live in a world where there's not much hope, and yet we carry full hope. So we need to keep talking about it because it's saying, God, do it again. Are you with me? I want to look at a few situations in Jesus' life where he shows up. So I want to read this passage to you. I'm sure you'll be familiar with this story, but let's look at it from a different angle. It's in Luke 8 and verses 40 through 55. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house. Because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. A woman, uh, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. 
In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Turn to the person next to you and say, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. Turn to the person next to you and say, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Here's a situation. At the beginning of that passage, people gathered around because they were expecting Jesus. There was a crowd gathered because they were expecting him. And all of those people in the crowd, don't tell me there wasn't a whole bunch of people that needed a miracle in their life right there, that needed Jesus to step into their life right there. And Jesus was present. Do you see? But how many people received a miracle that day? Two. Hundreds of people. It doesn't give numbers, but it's a crowd. Let's call it hundreds of people. Two people received a miracle. So Jesus was present, but he showed up for two people. Let me give you a football analogy, because I like me football. Let's talk about Chelsea. Any Chelsea fans in the house? Obviously not. I'm on safe ground. I'm on safe ground. Any Man U fans in the house? Or is at least one at the back? Let's talk about Man U then, just to offend Frank. Because Liverpool are playing Man U today, and we're going to win. Thus saith the Lord. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You will hear a commentator commentating on Man United. They're on the field. But if they're not playing well, if it's not going to plan, he might, the commentator might say something like this. Man, you haven't shown up today. Do you hear? They're on the field. They're present. They're playing the game, but they haven't shown up. Do you hear me? So for all these people, Jesus is present. But he showed up for two. What caused Jesus to show up? Faith. Faith causes Jesus to show up. It's not how you pray, whether you shake, whether you fall over, whether you shamadamadingdong, whatever you do, it's none of those things. It's faith that moves God. And so we need to be people who firstly expect Jesus to show up. There needs to be some expectation. But then we need to believe he can do what he says he can do. And when you put that demand on God, you know what? He loves it. It says without faith, you can't please God. So come on, church. Can I stir your faith this morning? We need to be men and women who don't just get through life trying to make it to next Sunday so we can have a nice little God experience. We need to be men and women of faith every single day. And Jesus, on that basis, won't just be present, but he'll show up. And I want to see more and more people experiencing Jesus show up in their life. Are you with me? When Jesus shows up, lives are changed. You know, ultimately, we believe, don't we, that God's omnipresent. So he's everywhere. All of the time. 
but it's faith that caused him to show up. You know, we pray often prayers like this, Holy Spirit, have your way with us. He's here. This is his home. He lives in you. But when we say, do what you've got to do, he can show up. And it's a different thing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So come on, turn to three people and say, today's the day he's going to show up for you. In John chapter 21, and it's not going to come on the screen, but you'll know this story. This is when uh, the disciples have decided they're a bit fed up with all that's going on. And so they, they go back to what they know. Who knows when you're having a bad time, it's easy to go back to default mode. And so what they do is they're, they're unsure what is going on here. So they go fishing because they're fishermen. They are professional fishermen. They know what they are doing. You know, if you're an accountant and you're sitting in front of the spreadsheets and the numbers, you know what you're doing. I might look at it and just see a whole bunch of numbers, but when you look at it, you're a professional. You know what you're looking for. Do you hear what I'm saying? These are fishermen. They know what they are doing. They have fished all night, a whole night. And do you know what they caught? Squat. Not even a little tiddler. Nothing. Not a bean. Nothing. And they're coming back and they're probably a bit despondent. They're professionals. And Jesus rocks up. And he stands on the shore and he says, guys, Jesus here. Did you catch much? Not a bean master. Nothing. Put your nets on the other side of the boat. Now you've got options here. Is Jesus present? Yes. What's going to cause him to show up? Faith. Is it stupid to bring your nets from this side of the boat to walk 10 feet and put them in the same bit of water? Is that stupid? Yes, in the natural. But faith says, I'm going to do what Jesus asked. Because in the natural, what a farce. Come on. It's a great big massive lake we're in. You're talking about moving it. We could just row the boat this way a little bit and leave them where they are. It's stupid, isn't it? But sometimes faith means being a bit stupid in the natural. I don't think God would ever embarrass you. That's not his heart. But sometimes you're thinking, that doesn't make any sense. But they moved the nets from this side to this side in faith. And then the Bible says there were so many fish they couldn't bring them in. Their nets were bursting at the seams. I believe sometimes when you're obedient in faith to God, provision comes. You know, let's look at the fish. These are professionals. They traded in fish. You know, maybe for us, it'll be a financial thing because we ultimately trade in cash. Or maybe in your business, it'll be something else. But I know this. When Jesus says, do something silly but obey me, something's going to happen. Because he's present. But it's something of faith that caused him to show up. Am I stirring something in your church? Come on, this whole idea of faith is the unwavering pursuit of him to acknowledge his power to step in. Believing that God's good and has good plans for me and good plans for you. So when he says, Barry, do this, do you know what I need to do? Do this. Not go, well, that's a bit stupid. How about church, we become obedient? Because it puts an expectation on God to do what he said. And then you get a testimony. And what does testimony mean? Do it again. Come on, church. Let me show you a different place where Jesus steps up and shows up. John 2, verses 13 through 17 says this. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. 
So he made a whip out of cords and drove all the temple drove them all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. So not only is Jesus present in this moment, Jesus has shown up because he's doing some stuff. Can you picture the scene? Can we even picture that right now? There they are, busy in the temple courts, getting on with what they've always done, buying and selling, getting on with their daily life. And Jesus shows up and goes on a mad one. He gets them calls, get out! Get out of my house! What are you doing? Turning the tables over? Jesus is on one! Can we even picture that for a moment? Why? Because zeal for the Father's house consumed him. It was his. This is my house. And when it's my house, I want it to function as my house. Later on, he says, my house will be a house of prayer. And here they are exchanging money, selling sheep and cattle. Do that in your own time. It's not wrong, but not in my house. My house is a place of prayer. And ultimately, prayer is where humanity and God communicate. It's where heaven touches earth and earth touches heaven. See, the house is about this exchange that goes on from the heavenlies to the natural. You know, when we look at Bethel, the Hebrew word for God's house, it's when the ladder from heaven came down and the angels went up and heaven touched earth. And they said, this is Bethel. This is the house of God. And he says, my house will be a house of prayer. And all this stuff is going on. He's like, get out. Do you know why? Because that wasn't healthy. And it stopped what the true purpose was. Can we shift that same principle right now? You are the house of God. You're the house of God. It says, doesn't it, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I love the picture of the Bible. You look at the overall view. You find Abraham who comes out and he looks up. Because that's all he knew to do. God's up there somewhere. And God spoke to him and said, move to another place where I tell you. And he was obedient in faith. Abraham, the father of the faith. And then, he's, then he speaks to David and, and, and Moses before that and says, build me this place because I'm going to dwell in this place. And I'm going to dwell behind the curtain. And they were in obedience. So God comes from being up to being in a place. And then he says, build me an ark. And my presence will be in the ark. And they carried the ark with reverence. And everywhere the ark went, blessing came because it was his presence. And then Jesus himself turned up. God made man and walked the earth and showed us something of what the Father looks like. And then Jesus says, it's better that I go. Because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he will live in you. So the overarching picture of the Bible is that it gets us closer and closer and closer to what God always intended. First of all, he was up. Then he was in a temple. Then he was in a box. Then he came as a man. And now he says, but it was always meant to be about me living in you. Can you see the the journey? And so here we are, Jesus showing up, clearing out the temple. And I want to say he wants to show up in your life today too. Caveat here. Hear me now. Jesus is never, turn to the person next to you and say never. He's never angry with you. He's never disappointed with you, never frustrated with you. He loves you, but there are things going on in the temple that annoy him. 
Because he has zeal for you. There are things going on in your life that are robbing you of your true purpose. And he's annoyed with those. And what God wants us to do, what Jesus wants us to do, what the Holy Spirit wants us to do is say, I just give you permission. Do in me what you've got to do. And do you know the things that are robbing you? Depression. Anxiety. Rejection. Lack. Isolation. These are the things that are going on in the temple today. And here we see Jesus show up. And what does he do? He gets out of the temple what is robbing the temple of health and purpose. Your purpose is to relate to heaven and show what heaven looks like on earth. But what happens is we get isolated because I'm struggling in life and I'll withdraw and I'll stand back. Is that healthy? Is that Jesus? Is that your purpose? Jesus has got the whip ready to not have a go at you, but have a go at rejection, to have a go at isolation, to have a go at depression, to have a go at lack. Because he says, get out of my house. You don't belong here. You're robbing true purpose. When I show up, lives change. It's not that he's angry with you, but he's angry with what's robbing you. Can you see the difference? Jesus is never, 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 never angry with you. But he's frustrated at what you're dealing with. And he wants to show up in your life and clear the temple. Can you hear the heart of it? Because he wants to turn up in your life and bring health. How cool is it that Jesus is zealous for me? That Jesus is zealous for you. He would do whatever it takes to set you free, to give you hope, to provide for you, so that you can show on earth what heaven looks like. It's always been his plan. One of the biggest things robbing us of Jesus showing up, I believe, is over-familiarity. Mark 6, verses 2 through 6 say this. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. This is Jesus. And he who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles. This is Jesus. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hand on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Here's the thing. This is Jesus. This isn't me or you. This is Jesus. This is God made man. Even God made man wasn't able to function in his hometown. Why? Because they were over familiar with him. Oh, it's just the carpenter's son. Who's this boy? Who does he think he is? Isn't his sister's here? Oh, he's just one of those guys. And what did that do? They became over-familiar with Jesus, and the over-familiarity stopped them from having faith in him. And so it was the over-familiarity that robbed the faith, and it's the faith that Jesus needs to show up. Can you see? So what does that even look like for us today? Because I believe there's over-familiarity in the church. People don't show up every Sunday because it's just another Sunday. Could go, might not. 
Why wouldn't we show up every week to praise Jesus? Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't that be number one priority? To gather with the saints. Hebrews 10, don't give up gathering. Jesus says, I long to gather you. I will build my church. All of these things are scripturally true, and yet we show up one week and not the next. We'll come for two weeks and we'll miss one. Do you know why? Because we're over familiar. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's just another service. Who knows that worship time we had just then was incredible. That we stood in the presence of the Holy Spirit and lifted hands together. And when we do that together, God says, I can show up in that. Someone's missing it today. And I believe partly because they're over familiar. And I'm sure we all wrestle. This is not condemnation. This is a wrestle that we need to get out of our lives. Oh, it's just Barry. Do you know what? New people come to our church for the first time and go, wow, that's amazing. But people who have been here for two years, three years, four years are happy to miss one because we've become familiar with it. And it's not what God wants. He wants to show up. And if we're going to get over familiar, he can't show up because it actually robs faith. Can you see it? So if you know someone's not here today, give them a text. I really missed you. Let's get together. It's important we do this. Who wants to see the university changed? Who wants to see Colchester changed? Who wants to see your road you live in changed? Well, it's not going to change if we get over familiar. We've got to get ourselves right, church, and mean it and believe it and live like it. And, you know, sometimes we have to crack the whip, or I feel like I do a senior pastor, say, come on, church. I want to see this town change for Jesus' glory. And we can't do that if we're all laissez-faire and over familiar. We need to be pushing in so that God can function as he wants to here. Are you with me? Come on, it's never... Get to that place. Jesus knows who he is. Give me a wave if you feel like you know who Jesus is. You see, when you know who Jesus is, it's a game changer. It's a life changer. You know, sometimes I feel like we take it for granted. I know, I know, I know I'm going to heaven. And do you know why I know that? Because Jesus died for me. Jesus is what gives me hope. And Jesus, therefore, deserves my everything. And I'll never get over familiar with that. Sometimes I feel like we're getting through life and we talk about finances and health and those things are so, so important. But my destiny is secure. All because of Jesus. And he deserves my life for that. Let's never get over familiar. But there's this moment in Jesus' life coming towards the later stage of his life where they come to arrest him. You know the bit where Judas comes up and gives him a kiss? Sneaky, what's it? It's when Peter gets all annoyed and whips out the sword and smashes his ear off. I think, I'd feel like that, wouldn't you? Feel like, Get off, that's my Jesus. <laughs> but Jesus rebukes him. But this is what I love about Jesus' authority. You don't have to be a believer in Jesus, who Jesus is. Because when Jesus declares who he is, it affects everyone. Look at this passage when he was getting arrested here. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen uh, to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. Now this is Jesus. Who knows that Jehovah means I am? I am. Jehovah Jireh. I am the one who provides. 
I am he, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with him. When Jesus said, I am he, they, the soldiers, the Pharisees, everyone who didn't believe him, they drew back and fell to the ground. That's the authority of my Jesus. You see, it doesn't matter if you believe in him or don't believe him. When he shows up, everyone submits. But the truth is, church, unless we're going to push into Jesus, how can he show up through people like me and you? You might want people in your world to have a better life experience. Well, Jesus can show up and he needs to show up through you. So therefore, we can't be over familiar. We need to really know who he is. And that same Jesus allowed them to arrest him, allowed them to lie about him, allowed them to whip him, allowed them to put a crown of thorns on his head, allowed them to put nails through his hands and feet, allowed them to put a spear in his He allowed it. And it was the greatest gift of love to humanity ever. Because he could have just said at any point, I am. He could have. But he submitted to the Father's will in faith, believing that his Father would reach down from heaven and say, you can't have my son. You have nothing on him. And I know that Jesus gets up. And he gets up with the keys to heaven and hell, life and death, and says, come on, church. Come on, know who I am. Authority is in my hands. Victory is in my hands. Provision is in my hands. Health is in my hands. Hope is in my hands. Allow me to show up and bring those things. Are you stirred? Come on, let's never get over familiar with Jesus. Because he might just one day step into your life and say, I am. And you're going to be flat on your back. I've been there. It's kind of cool and kind of weird. But God does stuff. And I know sometimes he needs to put us on our back to stir our faith again. So never laugh at someone on their back because they're having a moment. But hear me. What Jesus really wants is for us to be men and women of faith who honor him in life so he can show up through people like me and you. He is all powerful. But hear this. He is also willing. You know, so many times Jesus goes to people and says, what can I do for you? The blind man says, you know, I want to see you again. And Jesus says, I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm willing. Whatever it is the need in your world right now, I know this. Jesus is able and Jesus is willing. But he needs men and women of faith to press in and say, oh, I prayed once, but I haven't seen it yet. Well, I'm going to pray again. And I'm going to pray it again. And my God can do it again. We've been singing it all morning. He really can and he really wants to bless you. And it's a game changer. Because whatever happens to me from here to the end of my life on earth, I'm going to heaven. So in your face, I don't care. (laughs) And I've got that here, and you can't steal it. No one can steal that. But the great thing is that because I live from that starting point, God actually wants me to have a good experience on earth. God wants me to have testimonies of his goodness. God wants to see me have breakthroughs. Why? Because it's showing people who don't yet know him what a life with him looks like. So it's not even just about me. He blesses me to show other people what he looks like. And I'm blessed. Have you seen my wife? Brownie points. (laughs) Who knows this? Praise attracts his presence. Praise attracts his presence. I love when Matt Beals leads. Is Matt still in the room? Gives a wave, Matt. Matt here. Round of applause for Matt. One of Matt's gifts 
on his life is that he can create an environment to praise Jesus. He can create an environment. God's given him something that when Matt leads praise in particular, it just the roof comes off. And he loves it. And I love, I love it when Matt does that. Because praise attracts his presence. And so when God's in the room, we have an opportunity for allowing him to show up. And there's a difference. Can you hear me? Psalm 22.3 says this. Now, I've gone all King James on you, people. This is old school. But thou art holy. O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Now, here's the reason I had to go old school on you. Most translations now, and if you're looking at it on your app, they won't say inhabitest, which means inhabits. They will say things like enthroned. You are enthroned on the praises of Israel. And that is a good and true translation. But you go old school and it just in, it, it translates it slightly more authentically. The word there, the Hebrew word, is, is Yovshev. In your best Hebrew, turn to the person next to you and go Yovshev. So, thou are holy, thou who Yovshev, the praises of Israel. Yeah? So some translations are taking that to be enthroned, which is true and good and nothing wrong with it. But it kind of steals a little bit of what I think we would understand in the meaning. Yovshev means to dwell in or inhabit. So where there is praise, God dwells there. Where there is praise, God inhabits there. Can you see it? And that's why I need to go all old school on you. Because if I said enthroned, you're like, oh, what does that even mean? And it's not wrong, it's just a different translation. Are you hearing me? So the whole idea of praising through the storm hangs here. You know, when you're in a difficult moment, whatever that might look like for you, if we get into our humanity and our feelings, we start looking down, we start getting defeated, we start stepping away, we become isolated, we become withdrawn, we become into ourselves, and we've, we've all done it. We've all done it. But what does that do? That stops allowing God to show up. So in the midst of your difficult moment, the best thing you can do is praise. Because in that praise, God yovshevs. God inhabits. God dwells. God is there. And therefore, a couple of things are happening. You're getting your eyes off of yourself and your hurt feelings. Who knows we can't live by feelings, church? We need to live by faith. We need to live by what's true, not just feelings. And so we get our eyes off of our feelings and off of ourselves and off of our situation. And by praising, we get our eyes onto God, who ultimately is the answer to your struggle. And so it's going against what is naturally probably your default mode and pressing into your faith to say, yes, I'm not happy with the situation I'm in. I'm not liking it. But in the midst of that, I praise because it allows God to move. And when God moves, he can show up. And when he shows up, there's the answer. The situation changes. Do you hear me? So next time we're praising in here, if you're not feeling like it, can I encourage you? Get past your feelings and press into your faith. Because in that moment, in that jump, in that clap, in that hand raise, in that awesome tone, God inhabits. And it's a game changer. And I get it. And no judgment from me if you sometimes don't feel like that and you don't show up and all that. No judgment. I'm just cheering you on. Because I know that when we live by the Bible's principles, good things happen. Good things happen all of the time.
I like to look at it like this. It's almost this choice between being an eagle and a chicken. A chicken, great bird. I mean, who doesn't like eating a chicken? Sorry, the vegans out there. A great bird, but they live like this. They're always looking down. They're always scrapping around for a morsel. And they're always fighting each other for the same morsel. That's a chicken. Flapping around, heads down. What are they doing? They're looking at the earth. They're scrabbling around for what they can naturally find. They're fighting each other for it. It doesn't sound like a happy existence to me. Still love a chicken. But in this demonstration, a chicken, who wants to live like that? If we were acting like chickens, what are we doing? The very thing I said not to. We're looking down at what we can do. We're scrabbling around for scraps and we're fighting everyone for it. That's living like a chicken. On the flip side, you could live like an eagle. Let me show you my eagle. I don't believe John's here today. Is John, is John Gear here? John, stand up, John. Can you stand up? Give John a round of applause. John made this. John made this. I'm going to leave this on the stage. It's very heavy and quite pointy. But come and have a look. The man's an absolute genius. It is so, so good. Thank you, John. That's really blessed us and our household, and I'm using it as a prop. Well played you. It's so intricate and amazing. But the Bible has some stuff to say about eagles. Let me read you one of the things in Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who what? Hope in the Lord. They will renew their strength. Strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Does that sound like a chicken? See, what an eagle, we know in the natural, the eagle is the only bird that can fly directly at the sun. That's all by itself quite amazing. But the eagle is powerful enough to fly at the sun and rise above the storm. And so when the storm is happening... The chickens submit to the storm, running around trying to take cover. But the eagle flies above the storm. The eagle is with the sun. And can you see, do I need to unpack the parallels? When you're like an eagle, you head for the sun. When you're like an eagle, you're strong enough to hold your own. When you're like an eagle and the currents come, you ride the currents. And it's actually quite an adventure because the currents will come. Or you can submit to them and flap around on the floor. Or you can ride them out and say, come on, God, take me on a journey. And you are looking down at the storm. The storm doesn't impact your life because you're living above the storm. And I believe God wants his people to live like eagles and stop living like chickens. The trouble is so often we flip between the two. And again, we've all done it. But could they, today be the day where you say, I'm going to live the eagle life and stop living this chicken life? And it ultimately means reaching out to Jesus in the midst of whatever's going on and saying, I need you to show up. Show up in my life in the midst of the good times, in the midst of the difficult times, in the midst of the mediocre times. Allow Jesus to show up and it will change your world. The key is expectation and faith. Believing he can do what he says he can do and wanting to do it for you. Is there an amen in the house? With all things kingdom, my final point, maybe we could have a keyboard, that would be great. For all things faith, 
and kingdom. It's about you, but it's not about you. I love Jesus' description of the kingdom when he talks about the mustard seed and uh, this small little seed that he plants, but as he plants it and it's watered in good ground, it grows and it has these huge, great big leaves. And so the mustard seed succeeds. It grows. It prospers. But then it says, and it's so big that the birds can come and find shelter under its leaves. So it's about the mustard seed succeeding, but then helping someone else. And so for your success in life that I believe God wants you to have, it's about you. But it's about positioning you to help someone else. Do you see? The kingdom's always about you, but not about you. And that's how Jesus lived. And so this idea of God just take me on a journey to find my purpose and live in my purpose. Take me on a journey to become fully healthy on the inside. Get out of me the things that I wrestle with. I believe you can do it. Show up in my life. You will be blessed. But here's the great thing. Healed people heal people. Blessed people bless people. Do you see? There's this idea that it positions you to have an enjoyment, but it also positions you to help someone else have an enjoyment. You see, whoever that person was who posted that gift through my front door, they were in a position to do that. Not all of us have got a thousand pounds just to put in an envelope and post, but they did. And do you know why? Because they'd been on a journey where they'd say, God challenged me to handle finances well. And God had taken them on that journey. And I don't even know what that journey looks like, but I bet it was sometimes painful. But they were then positioned, advanced in the kingdom, blessed, but able and more importantly, willing to bless someone else. And it rocked our world. They were blessed to be a blessing. Can you see how it works? God wants to use your life and your gifts and your faith so that you're blessed and so that someone else is blessed. And God used me to put my hand out and pray a prayer of faith for that young man years ago. He used my faith to bless someone else. And it was simple, but I've never forgotten it and never will. I'm just praying I'll get more opportunities. So if God is going to show up through people, my question is this. Could you be one of those people? Could it be you? Could you leave this place saying, God, show up in my life. And my primary focus is that I could then show up in someone else's life on your behalf. I want to see people loved, blessed, housed, healthy, included, because I'm representing you well. Can you hear the heart of it? I wonder if you'd stand because I'd love to pray for you. I want to invite you just to close your eyes if you're willing let's just do some business with our Father Lord come on church engage in this moment because it might not be something for you but it might be for something for the person next to you and don't we want to see everyone have their moment Jesus can I pray for people who if you're laying your hand on your heart would say, I've just become a bit familiar. I know Jesus, known him a long time and if I'm honest with myself, I've found myself drifting. But today's the day I want to say, Jesus, 
I want you in the middle of it all again. I genuinely believe you are who you say you are and can do what you say you can do. And I want to start living like that again. There's every eye closed here. So just give me a wave so I know I'm praying for. Could we just have some house lights on so I can see? Bless you there. Bless you over there. Bless you over there. Bless you. So good. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I just lift up those fantastic people right there as saying, yeah, I'm not drifting anymore. Lord, we're sorry for where we got over familiar. But today we make a choice in our hearts to get back on it. We make a choice in our hearts to say, Jesus, I need you to show up. My faith says you can and I'm pressing in. Lord, I just speak a blessing on those guys and girls that have raised their hands right there. And I say, go for it. Press in. Press in. Pray like you've never prayed before. Worship like you've never worshipped before. And watch him show up in your life. Give the testimony. You'll have a testimony. Give the testimony. Because it allows God to do it again. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anyone here who feels like, actually, I've totally stepped away. I don't know, not including Jesus in my life at all, or maybe never included Jesus in your life. And today's the day you want to say, I'm putting that right. Give me a wave if that's you, because let's get right with Jesus today. Let's have that opportunity. Is there anyone here today saying, yes, that's me. I want to be right with Jesus before I leave. That's cool. One lady here. Anyone else? Don't miss your moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray a prayer with this awesome young lady here, because when people get right with Jesus, heaven rejoices. And we should be rejoicing. So we'll pray a prayer. I'll pray the line you pray with me. Father God, thank you that you love me. Today, I choose to invite you to live in my heart, to be my Lord, to be my Savior, to be my King, and to lead me forward from this moment on. Amen. 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 Come on, we're going to pray one more thing before we close down. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anyone here today, again with every eye closed, who really relates to this whole idea that you need Jesus to come in and clear the temple? That there are things in my life that I just want out of my life because they're hampering me, they're causing me to be unhealthy, they're stealing my purpose, and I've had enough. And I'm believing that Jesus has the ability to show up in my life and clear my temple. Whatever that might look like, just give me a raise of your hands and we're going to pray. Bless you there. Bless you there. Bless you over the back there. Bless you in the middle. Bless you here. Bless you. Lots of people are so, so good. Come on, church. Let's get our faith stirred. Let's get our faith stirred because God's shifting in some lives today. I encourage you, if you're brave enough, you might come and find someone and say, would you pray for me? Someone who you trust, someone who you know is senior in the church, whoever it might be, get someone to pray for you over this stuff. But let's make a start. Lord God, I lift up every amazing person who just raised their hands, who are acknowledging there are things in their life right now that they don't want there anymore, that are hampering health. Lord, we invite you, Jesus, to show up, just like you showed up in the temple in the verse we read, and clear the temple. We break the power of anything that is holding you in Jesus' name, and we set you free. We clear your temple in Jesus' name and say, be healthy and run with purpose. Today is your day of freedom, and all God's people said, amen. Come on, let's worship.